You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tied 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com. Part of the 247sports.com network with you each and every weekday morning from, from 11 a.m. until noon. The show is always brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530. McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Great time to get by Peterbrook Chocolatier as you continue on through the holiday season. They've got you ready to go. Those Christmas-themed treats that they've got for you. We told you, snowman, the chocolate snowman they've got there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. It comes complete with a filling, a healthy serving of the chocolate-covered popcorn that Peterbrook Chocolatier is so famous for. There you go, Peterbrook Chocolatier. Joined on the program by executive producer of SFS, that, of course, being Mr. Jacob Harrison, and together we combine to form the 60-minute boot of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, how are you doing on this Friday morning when it appears as, as if all heck might be breaking loose now? Uh, involving SEC football teams and this weekend's schedule and perhaps looking ahead to trying to make all of these games work leading up through the weekend of December the 19th. Yeah, who'd have thought it would be difficult to try to finish out this SEC season? You know, <laughs> we, we only had to move around a whole bunch of games just to get this LSU game in. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm doing good. Uh, excited to, to see how the uh, state title games are going right now. Gordo's only trailing by a point early in their game against Hanley. So uh, hopefully we're going to have a West Alabama state champion. And if not, then we'll at least be able to take in uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry in his first action tonight against Spanish Fort. Yeah, really is. Uh, it has delivered this Super 7, hasn't it? I mean, with the exception of a game or so to this point, And we hope the weather will hold out for us today because it's the big day of the uh, event with the the three games on tap. And you said it, Kool-Aid McKinstry and Pinson Valley trying to win a 6A title, the Alabama commitment. So uh, love it for all these young people, man. With everything we've been through in 2020 to get to experience state championship football, and really, even if you're on a team that was 2-8, and 1-9, 0-8, whatever, the fact that these young people got to play football and experience high school football, that's a great, great thing. 205-342-9904. That is the Peter Brook Chocolatier studio line if you'd like to jump on board with us as we get you ready for Alabama LSU tomorrow night. Tomorrow night at Tiger Stadium, the Alabama Crimson Tide looking to improve to 9-0 and on the season. The LSU Tigers 
one year removed from a perfect 15 and 0 run coming in at 3 and 4 and we'll get into some predictions for you for tomorrow night's game uh, again we have uh, th- th- we have news certainly involving Alabama you heard it right here on Tide 100.9 FM last night Nick Saban making it clear that he will in fact coach tomorrow night against the LSU Tigers. He will travel with the Alabama football team uh, this afternoon to Baton Rouge. So that was great to hear. Nick said he got some of that IV plasma treatment and that if you have access to it and you find yourself with the COVID, you too should experience or try to get that IV plasma treatment. You know, I don't know if they have that at the old Crimson Care, Jacob. I don't know if they have the IV plasma treatment at the dock in the box. But uh, maybe that Sports Science Center over there off Bryant Drive already paying big dividends. No, but in all seriousness, great news for Alabama on that front. Although I do hear there is a real possibility that it's an Alabama coaching staff that other than Saban could be moving some chairs around based on COVID-19 testing. So that's going to be something to keep your eyes and ears open for going into tomorrow night's game. Last week, it was the absence of Nick Saban. This week, there is a growing sort of drumbeat that some assistant coaches for Alabama could be impacted by COVID-19. Just something, just something to be aware of as we move into Saturday. 205-342. 9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. Hey, you know what I did last night? I did something I haven't done in probably a year or so. I took in some high school basketball. I know with all the state championship games that we have here in Tuscaloosa, high school basketball sort of flying under the radar, the start to another season. But I was over there at ACA last night. You had Holy Spirit and ACA. You had the JV boys, the varsity boys, the varsity girls. Uh, the oldest daughter, Savannah Ryer, making her coaching debut with those uh, boys teams over there at Holy Spirit. It was a lot of fun. Good time. You know who I missed, and I didn't realize it until I got to the game last night and sat there for about, took about 90 seconds. I had really missed follow your shot guy. You know what I'm talking about, Jacob, when you go to a basketball game or even a football game. There's always follow your shot guy. There's box out, box out guy, right? There's over the back guy. And it's kind of like in football. It's watch the fake guy. You know what I'm talking about, Jacob? You know those guys and gals in some instances. Yeah, I I was at the Pickens County game yesterday, and a guy that was sitting close to me uh, (laughs) was the uh, light him up guy on all the kickoffs. Light him up, light him up. (laughs) I love that guy. He's awesome, man. And I didn't realize how much I missed him. But I got a nice dose of that in a couple of three basketball games. It was a lot of fun. Good stuff. Good stuff. But we got a lot of college football talk to get into. Again, we're going to try to keep you up to speed as best we can on information related to Southeastern Conference teams as they try to get through another weekend of play. Um, we did see earlier today an official statement from uh, Ole Miss that Ole Miss was pausing football operations. And it's not a big, big deal as far as this week goes because Ole Miss is actually off. Uh, But now we're learning from multiple sources that Vanderbilt, Georgia, set for tomorrow, is canceled. The game in Athens. So the Commodores and the Georgia Bulldogs will not meet uh, because Vanderbilt had the COVID issues. And then we know the Sarah Fuller situation certainly connected to that uh, and her kicking opportunities uh, because of the COVID situation. And it's just been a – it's a struggle to the finish line, man, for so many teams right now, but especially Vanderbilt, it appears. So uh, that's a rough situation. There had been rumblings about player – revolts and things like that at Vanderbilt, maybe in relation more so to Derek Mason being let go or who knows. But Vanderbilt, Georgia now, according to multiple outlets, 
will not go off as planned for tomorrow. So there's one game gone. Now you look at the rest of the slate, and it's a situation where you're still you're still pretty much in good shape with your marquee games, right? I mean, Vanderbilt, Georgia, uh, that was a 3 o'clock SEC network uh, game for tomorrow. And it, it kind of in that same window, you got Florida, Tennessee on CBS. So CBS breathes a sigh of relief right now. Because CBS, as we know, has already lost a couple of games in the month of November. Uh, so that, that early CBS game tomorrow is Florida, Tennessee, of course, Alabama, LSU, and primetime. Uh, you still got A&M and Auburn set for 11 a.m. on ESPN. Arkansas, Missouri, as, long, as far as we know, is still a go. That is also an 11 a.m. game on the SEC network. Uh, and then you're going to have South Carolina at Kentucky set for 6.30 Central on the SEC network. So, again, your prime matchups for Saturday still in play, even with the loss of Vandy and Georgia. And it brings into question whether or not, and we talked with Cecil Hurd about this on Wednesday, and Cecil was pretty adamant in his belief that you're not going to get 10 games for everybody in the SEC when it's all said and done. And when you look at Vandy and Georgia with that game going off the board tomorrow, both those teams have played eight games. So if indeed you use that Saturday of December the 19th as a lead-up to that night's SEC championship game, we expect, of course, it to be Alabama and Florida, you could still potentially, I guess mathematically, you could still get Georgia Vanderbilt in, uh, both those teams with eight games to this point, but it does. It does sort of heighten the the unlikelihood that you're going to get all of these teams uh, in with, with 10 games. I mean, you've got South Carolina right now. Well, South Carolina is pretty much done after this weekend. South Carolina is two and seven. So South Carolina's played nine games. Same for Kentucky at three and six. So they will be at 10 games after their matchup tomorrow. Uh, so they'll be in good shape. But then you've got teams like Texas A&M that have played seven games. So they kind of need these next three Saturdays uh, to work. To, uh, to get to that 10-game number that they're looking to achieve. 205-342-9904. We'll also check in just a moment from now with Charlie Potter of the BamaOnline.com staff. Always look forward to talking with Charlie on the program. We'll do that in the very next segment. We'll have Pops later in the show. we got to get some picks from Pops. i got to ask Pops about this ticket situation at LSU for tomorrow night, too. Have you seen that? You know, I wasn't going to the game, Jacob. I wasn't going to make the trip down there. But I've checked on the tickets and, you know, the food down there gets me too. You know, just a quick pop in, maybe some to go, nothing too crazy. Uh, But the food down there, I think I'm going to the game now in Baton Rouge tomorrow. I know the two daughters want to go, so I'm going to load them up. The tickets on StubHub, the get-in right now, with fees in the lower level, you can find some tickets right now on StubHub for LSU Alabama with fees lower level in the neighborhood of $70 a ticket. I mean, that's unheard of when you talk about LSU and Alabama. Obviously, this LSU team is three and four, so the fan base isn't fired up. Then you in- incorporate the fact that they can't even tailgate this year, you know, which is way more than half of the uh, attraction. For LSU people. And so, man, the ticket prices for Alabama LSU ticket man. You know, the ticket man, usually when it comes to LSU and Alabama, he's able to take private jet service to the islands and vacation after this one. Um, I think I think this year, I, I don't think he's going to be able to, to do three nights in a condo in Orange Beach after this Alabama LSU uh, ticket affair in 2020. But some predictions for the game tomorrow night. Uh, you know what I think is going to happen? Probably need a drum roll for this first prediction because it's getting out there, man. This one is way out there for Alabama and LSU tomorrow night. I've got 
I've got LSU actually scoring in the game tomorrow night. I know. I know. What? It's crazy, right? Yeah. I think I think LSU's going to score, Jacob. You know, and, and look, that's going out there a little further than you might think because the last two times Alabama's been down there, LSU hadn't scored a point. You know, you got to go back to the fourth quarter of the 2014 Alabama-LSU game. There were 50 seconds to go in that one in regulation. Colby Delahousse, what a great name for an LSU player, right? Delahousse. Well, he kicked a 39-yard field goal with 50 seconds to go in the fourth quarter of that one to give LSU a lead at 13-10. to 10. I was at that game, and I remember thinking, well, LSU's going to pull this one out. This is going to be Alabama's second loss of the season. And with that, Alabama's probably going to be out of the mix for the initial college football playoff that got underway that season, at the end of that season. But as we know, Alabama with Blake Sims and that offense went right down the field. Adam Griffith kicks a 27-yarder, sends it to overtime. DeAndre White makes a big catch in OT. Alabama gets a stop, wins the game 20-13. to Well, since that time, Alabama over the last eight quarters – has shut out LSU and Baton Rouge by a total of 39 to nothing. But I think I think between Cade York, a very capable kicker for LSU, maybe the game gets to the point where like Auburn last week, LSU keeps the starters in and you know Alabama starts playing a lot of guys on defense and and LSU gets down and and scores some points. I think I do think I do think LSU scores in the game tomorrow night i also think Devontae smith will post his fourth straight 100 yard receiving game now that's not much of a stretch but if you would have said that before the season in the face of a secondary for lsu that includes Derek stingley jr eli ricks is a really talented young player um cordell flott has been very good at the slot corner for lsu at times this year uh, you might have you might have gotten a little more credit for that kind of prediction, uh, but I don't think I don't think it's going to be another 213 yard performance for Devontae like he had last year in this game. Although he comes in in his last three games averaging 173.7 yards per game, and he has eight touchdown catches in that stretch, so I wouldn't be entirely comfortable betting against him doing what he did a year ago again. Uh, but, you know, explosive plays for this LSU defense have been a problem, even with the corners, even with Flott inside. Now, the Tigers, it's misleading because you look at LSU statistically in terms of opponents' pass plays of 10 yards or more, and LSU ranks third in the SEC. So that looks good. But then when you start sliding over and you get into pass plays of uh, 20 yards or more, 30 yards or more, they are near or at the bottom of the SEC in those areas. And Devontae Smith, in the last three games, he's had 16 catches of 16 yards or more. So I don't think Smith gets to, I think it's 280 yards he still needs to get to Amari Cooper's all-time mark as far as receiving yards at Alabama go. I don't think Devontae's going to get there in his home state tomorrow night. Uh, but he might already be there by the time he goes back to Louisiana if, in fact, the Crimson Tide is in that national semifinal in New Orleans on New Year's Day. We'll get into some more predictions as we move throughout the show. First, though, time to head to a break. When we come back, Charlie Potter, my cohort there at BamaOnline.com, joins the show. More with Charlie and a whole lot more right after this. Clouds linger across West Alabama this afternoon. The high today, 55. A clearing sky tonight, the low at 36. Weather for the weekend will be rain-free. A good supply of sunshine tomorrow and Sunday. Highs ranging from 56 to 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide.
edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. We're going to be joined by Charlie Potter, my cohort there at Bama Online in just a moment or two. But I'm going to continue with another prediction or two for this Alabama LSU game set for Tiger Stadium tomorrow night, 7 p.m., on CBS. All right, before we get to Charlie, one more. Alabama tomorrow night will intercept a pass for a four-straight game. Alabama comes in to tomorrow night's game with 10 interceptions to its credit. Now, again, we're eight games into a conference-only schedule, so some like-for-like comparisons can be made to a year ago based on SEC-only play. Alabama, 2019, of course, played eight SEC games. So those 10 interceptions for Alabama are three more than the total the 2019 defense had in SEC play a year ago. You look at return average on those interceptions, really close. About a yard and a half more per return for 2019 Alabama compared to this year's group. But... 2020 Alabama, three interception returns for touchdowns, one in conference play for 2019 Alabama. And so you look at this LSU offense right now, and you've got these true freshman quarterbacks. You've got Terrace Marshall Jr. opting out after the A&M game last Saturday night, and you don't have a run game that can sort of carry the load. LSU comes into the game ranked 13th in the SEC in rushing offense. And with that, you've got true freshman quarterbacks, T.J. Finley and Max Johnson, combining to average nearly 46 pass attempts in their last three games. That's too many with a youthful quarterback situation. And, by the way, an offensive line that, in addition to not getting it done enough in the run game, hasn't exactly built a fortress around LSU quarterbacks. So, look, if LSU has to throw it 40-plus times tomorrow night, I'm going to wager on Patrick Sertan or Josh Job or Malachi Moore or Daniel Wright, Jordan Battle. They have interceptions, not only interceptions, but touchdown returns off interceptions to their credit this year in making it happen once again in the takeaway game. In fact, last week it was actually an A&M linebacker who picked off Finley and return that one for a score for the Aggies. Let's do it right now. Let's go to Charlie Potter of BamaOnline.com as he prepares to head to Red Stick. And, uh, Charlie, we heard from Nick Saban last night. He's a go. Uh, But I guess you still have to get to the stadium like you always do and take role not only of perhaps players who make that trip tomorrow night, but even where the coaching staff is concerned, too. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been the the weekly tradition now. Um, You know, going to a game doesn't have much value because the post-game interview process is really kind of bad. Um, You know, we only talk to them via Zoom, and it's just not the same as it it was. Now, the the Zoom, you know, calls during the week, they're fine. You know, you get the job done there. But after the game, it's just there's no real value of, of watching it from the press box because that's where you stay the whole time. But the, the pregame warm-ups, what you can see and kind of take role, especially on the road, uh, whenever they're going to travel with 70 players, it makes it a little easier. So that that's become, you know, the, the most important part of the week almost because we can't be out at practice and, you know, things are kind of a little harder to, to come by in terms of information because, you know, you don't know exactly why a guy isn't at practice. Is it COVID-related? Is it injury um, you know, people aren't as, as apt to, to share that news. So, yeah, I mean, the good news is Nick Saban will be back. I think we all kind of expected that, and he's um, been adamant all week that he's been feeling fine and expects to be back, and, and he shared on his radio show uh, last night that, that he'll be um, cleared today and we'll, we'll travel with the team, and, um, you know, that's good news. I mean, they, they manage it pretty well. Uh, without Nick Saban uh, against Auburn. So if they are without some staff members or, you know, some backups for another game, I think they'll be still in good shape because they've been kind of preparing for this. But, yeah, I mean, going into this one, you know, those 90 minutes before kickoff when everybody's out on the field, those will be, you know, whenever you're looking through the binoculars and and jotting down as many notes as you can. You know, obviously the the fans, the Alabama fans, have been 
looking forward to this game for, well, more than 365 days now because we had the postponement <laughs> from last month. But have you picked up anything from the, the players this week that, that indicates that given the events of a year ago here in Tuscaloosa, not just in terms of the outcome, but certainly the the uh, celebration that extended onto the field and into the locker room. And look, you understand it. It was uh, it was it was a, a big load off of LSU after that eight game Alabama win streak. You, you sense anything extra though, Charlie, from a player perspective about really looking forward to this one tomorrow night? Yeah, I mean they've said all the right things this week. Um, you know, Monday they got a lot of questions about uh, re- getting revenge. You know, the revenge factor, all of that, and um, you know they basically looked at it as this is just another game. Um, and, you know, I, I think what was surprising about it is that Nick Saban probably revealed more than the players did. Uh, that shows you how well coached up they are in terms of a, a media aspect. And, you know, he he said that he doesn't use revenge as a motivating factor. And he kind of had a, a humble brag here and, and flexed on us a little bit and talking about how <laughs> because they don't really have a lot of these situations come up. And, you know, he's not wrong. I mean, they've had, what, 23 losses in his time in Alabama? And um, I think they've had 19 kind of quote-unquote revenge games, and they've won 17 of those. So, uh, yeah, it it doesn't really um, come up a lot. But he also went on to say that, you know, he's not naive enough to think that the players don't think about what happened last year. And you're right. I mean, of course you never want to lose a game, and those stick with you more often than the the wins. But on top of, of losing the game, you know, what happened on the field afterwards, whether it was the LSU players running over to the recruiting section and, and shouting at the, the recruits and attendants for Alabama. Um, you know, you had Joe Burrow being carried off on his shul- on his teammates' shoulders. You had, um, you know, Coach O, you know, talking at midfield, saying how, you know, this was you know their house now. And, of course, what happened in the locker room with the, the Roll Tide What comment that went live on Instagram and, you know, nothing ever dies on the Internet. So, um, yeah, I think it was John Mechie said, you know, they certainly remember everything that happens, but they're not really, you know, focusing on it this week. Whether that's, you know, completely true or not remains to be seen. I'm, I'm sure, you know, when it comes to things in the locker room and things being played on TVs and for them to hear, you know, they've heard plenty of it. But they're saying the right things. They're handling it the right way. And um, I, I don't doubt there'll be any lack of motivation for this one, especially for the guys that are from Louisiana. Sounds like they came out of Auburn in terms of football-related issues from an injury perspective. Alabama came out of that in pretty good shape, Charlie. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was one thing um, you know, I said after the game is just you know, no injuries. Now, we saw um, Najee Harris went to the medical tent for a little bit. He took kind of a uh, an awkward hit on the leg, and that was a little worrisome for a minute. But then he comes right back in and runs for a 42-yard touchdown. But I think he's okay. I'm sure that um, you know during the week he probably took it easy. Uh, I know they have a, a little light walkthrough on, on Monday, and that's not anything new because you know they are playing a, a different schedule and an SEC only schedule. But yeah, I mean to come out of that one uh, with no injuries is, is good news, and that's going to be really the uh, a um, real big emphasis these next two weeks. I mean, it's, you, you never want to get an injury, obviously, but in, in two games that you're going to be you know, heavily favored in the next couple of weeks. You don't want to lose a guy in these heading up for an SEC championship game and uh, potentially a college football playoff. So, um, you know, that'll be something, you know, big moving forward. But, yeah, I mean, outside of the obvious with, with Jalen Waddle and Trey Sanders and those guys, there's not really, you know, many guys that are, uh, you know, questionable for this game. I'll be interested to see how much more Slade Bolden does because you know, we saw him kind of work back into action and, he wasn't returning punts, and Alabama fans have kind of held their breath when Devontae Smith has been back there. Um, not because he, he can't do it, it's just because you don't want to lose a guy like Devontae Smith like you did Jalen Waddell. And uh, just guys like LeBron Ray and, and Miller Forrestall, you know, with them kind of being eased back into action, how much can they do? You know, down in Baton Rouge will be interesting. But, yeah, I mean, other than that, from an injury standpoint, they're, they're sitting pretty right now. Great feature Charlie has uh, put up there with us at BamaOnline.com here in the last day or so on Landon Dickerson, the Florida State transfer who has been incredibly important to this Alabama 
offensive line over the last season plus, um, you know, just give us a, a, a better understanding of, of kind of what you unearthed and sort of the the response you got in asking around about Landon Dickerson and the impact he's had. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's been a thing for a while now, but it, it just seems to kind of hit its peak where, you know, you, you'll see after the game, I think Cole Kublik really chronicles it more often than not, but a lot of people share you know, a, a hit from, from Landon whenever he catches somebody, um, whenever he's not engaged with the blocker or a defender, and, um, you know, they're pretty entertaining to watch and really just diving into that and, and what he's meant to the offensive line because um, yeah, I think he's just played his best football this year. He played really well last year, but he's played like one of the best offensive linemen in the country this year. And, um, you know, I, I talked to Cole Kublik, who obviously follows the offensive line a, a lot more than, and most and you know he agreed with that and said he's arguably a, a top five offensive lineman in the country and then you're know, getting a chance to talk to Landon and, and just his kind of you know mindset behind those plays and you know he looks at it as you know if he's not engaged with someone if he doesn't have an assignment on say a, a pass protection play uh he always thinks it's beneficial to go help out a teammate and not only that but when he hit someone and he added that you know, he tries to put guys on the ground every chance he can, uh, it, it kind of softens up the pass rush because, you know, they're not really dead set on attacking anymore. They're they're looking for him. And that's just, you know, when you hear a guy say that and admit that and know that's going through players' heads, that's, you know, that's pretty, pretty cool from a, from an Alabama fan perspective to, to know that your center has that kind of presence on the field. And, and Landon has been that he's had that, the, the approach that he has, that physicality he plays with up front, uh, I think has been infectious and has, has really benefited the entire offensive line, and maybe even more so this year because he's played uh, from you know game one to now uh, at that center position, hasn't moved around, and, and been kind of the anchor and the leader of that group. So yeah, just to kind of dive into to what he's meant to this team, um, whether it's from his own perspective, you know, outsiders looking in like Cole or even, you know, asking Nick Saban and some of his teammates about him. Yeah, I think Landon's been very impactful these two years and, and been a big reason for the success of this offensive line. As we let you go here, Charlie, Alabama men's basketball picks up two wins in Asheville to close out the Maui Invitational. What is a thing or two that you think we learned about this team after those three games against you know, either decent to really good competition. Yeah, I mean, the Stanford game, um, it, it, they were pretty sloppy. And, um, you know, Nate Oates was kind of critical of the effort in, in that game. But I think the way it played out was almost the best-case scenario. You would like to get a win over Stanford, obviously, for your resume, and that, that would have been big. But you run into a North Carolina in the next round, and, um, you know, then you're going to face an even – and not even better, but another tough opponent after that, you know, to, to kind of have that wake up call against Stanford and then, you know, to play well against um, UNLV and against Providence, I think will, will benefit them moving forward. Um, you know, they, they had to figure some things out from a rotational aspect. Uh, they had to play without Keon Ellis against UNLV because he had a, an illness, uh, non COVID related illness. He was able to play against Providence. But um, I think, the way that they were able to get out of there with a two and one record um, was was beneficial and will probably be more beneficial than, than some think because it was not only you got to learn more about this team and they got to you know play together in games, but uh, from a psychological aspect, you know now they know what it takes to to win games and the effort they have to play with night in and night out. Of course, they're not going to be playing you know three games in three days and, until you know the postseason rolls around, but. Um, I just think it was beneficial from that standpoint. And, you know, we, we got to see you know, John Petty uh, start to get, um, you know, back into his groove and to, to play well on those two wins. I thought Josh Primo really, um, you know, came on in those two games as well. And then Jaden Shackelford, you know, uh, from an offensive standpoint, uh, played well as, uh, also. So, you know, a lot to, to take away from watching three games in three days. And uh, it was a, kind of a hectic because how late they were, but, you know, all in all, I think with the way it, it transpired, it was it was a good thing for Alabama. And most importantly, got through it without uh, being shut down by COVID or something, you know, like we've yeah. seen 
Uh, Tennessee is 0 for 5 now in trying to get its <laughs> season underway up in Knoxville. So just from that standpoint, it's been a real positive for this Alabama team through four games. Well, Charlie, as always, we appreciate the time. Safe travels down to Baton Rouge, my man. And uh, we'll catch up again next week. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. There he goes. Charlie Potter does an outstanding job for us there at BamaOnline.com. Going to come back with more of some predictions for Alabama LSU. Pops coming up. Speaking of picks, he's got to make a few. Pops is 6-0 and the last two weeks. He's up to 14-11 and uh, on the season now. Excuse me. He's 14-10 and on the season. I don't want to throw him an L he doesn't deserve. He'll uh, he'll have a problem with that. Back with more of SFS on a Friday right after this. Tom. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Take the baseline out. Uh-huh. 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 Right here on Tide 100.9 FM, Travis Ryder, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com. With you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Thanks again to Charlie Potter, my cohort there at BOL, joining us in the previous segment. Again, a really, really good feature Charlie did on Landon Dickerson. You can find it on the website. Right now, very in-depth. I know Cole Kubulik went as far as to say that an argument could be made for Landon Dickerson as the most important transfer in Alabama football history. That's stout. And I wouldn't argue that in terms of offensive line transfers especially, but I think I've got another Florida State transfer ahead of Landon Dickerson just by a nose. I got to go with Jake Coker, don't I? The guy just quarterbacked Alabama to a national championship in 2015. That's all. And I know a lot of people look at that season and say, well, it's Derrick Henry, 395 carries, Heisman Trophy. Well, you think Alabama beats Clemson in that national championship game without Jake Coker? I don't. I thought Jake Coker was the MVP of that game. May have been honored as such. I can't recall. But, uh, yeah, Landon, in terms of transfers, he's up there. James Carpenter. You want to talk about offensive lineman transfers. He's a guy who's never gotten enough love. Now, he was a J.C. transfer, but he was a plug-and-play at left tackle when Andre Smith left for the NFL draft after the 2008 season. So James Carpenter would be up there, too. Now, he jumps in there. Alabama wins the national championship with him at left tackle in 2009. Let's go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now and check in with Lewis on a Friday morning. Lewis, how you doing? I'm doing good, and I really enjoy your show, Travis. I just had a, a question. I know you're close to the situation with your daughter being a high school uh, kicker and the young lady that was kicking for Vanderbilt, but here's what I'd like to have your input on, Travis. Um, I'm concerned about what if one of these big running backs feels the ball on a kickoff, and is the young lady, you know, is she going to be expected to, stick her hat in there, you know, kickers sometimes are the last line, you know, when they get in the way and, sure. you know, slow the runner up. Well, I, I'm just worried that the conference and the young lady, for that matter, might get hurt badly or something, and then it's just this awful look. Now, one last thing I would say, kicking a field goal, I would think, would be safer than a kickoff, but I'm going to hang up and get your input on it, Travis. Love the show. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Lewis. I, I, I appreciate it, and I, I love – I love questions like that because I think they're honest. They're not sexist in nature. You're, you're, if you're a guy, especially, and you've watched football your whole life and you've seen all the big collisions and the big hits, you're automatically going to have that type of concern. I get it. And as the father of a daughter who did kickoffs and field goals uh, at the high school level, um, knowing my daughter, I didn't worry about it as much because I knew – Here's the thing about that, Lewis, that I'll tell you about, like, soccer and women's basketball. You know how many concussions my daughter had in three years of doing kickoffs and field goals in football? Zero. You know how many concussions my daughter had 
playing girls basketball in high school? Three. So, again, not to be dismissive of the question because I think it's certainly understandable. I'm just telling you that my concerns for my daughter, even at the high school level, were far more with her taking charges and the the contact that comes with basketball on a small court. And it happens in soccer, too. You know, concussions among soccer goalies is a real issue. That's the position that Sarah Fuller plays. And it was interesting yesterday, I believe Kirby Smart was asked about that type of situation unfolding against Vanderbilt. It's not going to happen now. But Kirby's response was, on kickoffs, we don't account for the kicker. Now, that goes back to what Lewis is asking. What's the expectation of Sarah Fuller? I think it would be the same as if it were for a guy kicker. You know, I, I, I don't feel confident in her ability to make the tackle, just like I wouldn't feel confident in the ability of most guy kickers to make the tackle. Sarah Fuller's six foot two, 170 pounds. You know, so we look at some of these guy kickers, you know, Jeremy Shelley was like 5'9", 160 kicking for Alabama. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a safer way between kickoffs and field goals. I, I tell you this, my daughter got hit. Lewis more on field goal extra point by oncoming rushers. I think you're exposed more actually on field goals and extra points because you've got guys coming off edges. You got guys coming up the middle and I know she took more shots far more on field goal extra point than she did kickoff. So, you know, look, I, I, I go under the assumption that someone like Sarah Fuller being a division one scholarship athlete, if it comes down to it, she can take care of herself. It, it may not be a successful effort in the end, but I don't worry as much about her particularly knowing her background a little bit and her measurables as as I would some guys. That's just me, though. But that's that's me as the father of someone who's done it. So if you're not connected in that way, I again, I totally understand it, and I respect the question. Let's head to a break. When we come back next, we'll check in with Pops on a Friday, right after this. Clouds linger across West Alabama this afternoon. The high today, 55. A clearing sky tonight, the low at 36. Weather for the weekend will be rain-free. A good supply of sunshine tomorrow and Sunday. Highs ranging from 56 to 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Well, they show the guy's house right around the corner from you where oh, yeah. Ronnie and yeah, Gary right and right uh, well, the, the drummer, the original drummer. <laughs> that carport is like five houses away from you right I now. Know. It's hard to believe. Yeah. That's what I would say, about a half a mile from me. And these guys, you know, Hall of Famers. <laughs> you and know, the, the first song they played, you know who it was from, right? Yeah. Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones with the. Uh, it, it's funny because time it, is on my side. Yeah, that, that's and I like it too. That was mm-hmm. good, but um, 
it's it's just it's hard to believe it was right here with fifty uh, something years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, it's more than that because they were just seventeen when they were at Lee, and that's when they started the documentary when they were in high school. And Coach Leonard Skinner. <laughs> yeah. Did I mean, you have Coach Skinner? Was he there when you were at Robert E. Lee? No, he was there right after I left. Gotcha. He was a basketball coach. Now, you didn't have hair down your back like the no, boys, right? No, I did have long hair, though. But it huh. was over my ears, and that was that was no, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. And you'd get SWAT, the, the, the football coach, you'd get uh, Benny Arnold. Uh, vinyl was the basketball. When vinyl moved, when he got, when he left Lee, that's when Leonard Skinner came in. I, was, I always said if I started a Leonard Skinner cover band, it would be called Nelly Vinyl because yeah. he was kind of the other coach oh, you he, know, he at was, Lee back and, then. And he was special too. He he was incredible. I heard he was a nut. That's what I well, heard that's about what Nelly everybody Vinyl. Thought. Uh, and 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 I actually saw a student. Knock him down, you know. <laughs> I mean, knock him to the to the ground. Was it knock Chef him. Ellison? No, it wasn't Chef. It was it was it was our fullback. Chef would have knocked him out. Team. Yeah, Lionel kept messing with him and told him. Lionel kept saying, "Hit me! I know you want to hit me. Go ahead and hit me." You know, and and he wouldn't hit him. You know, and Lionel got right in his face and kept saying it. Well, the old boy took a left and nailed him. <laughs> knocked him right down in the dirt. And I, I heard Nelly Vinyl to fire up the team would go to the top of the bleachers in the gym and roll down them head first. Oh yeah, he was nuts. to the bottom. He was nuts. Yeah. He was constantly challenging you, you know. And he and he'd get up and act like nothing happened, you know. And Gary Rosington, Ronnie Van Zandt, they all grew up at the same ballpark. I did right. Lake Shore. Yeah. Lake Think Shore. about that ballpark, pops. You had. Yeah, they, uh, uh, the, Ronnie Van Zant, Tim Tebow, and the Ryers. How about that for a ballpark? <laughs> it's a, it's, it's, I was reading about Mac Jones today in the paper. Fernet had a huge article about him. It was real good. And he was talking about his, his uh, I, it didn't say he was his idol, but his mentor or whatever was Tim Tebow, you know. Mm. And, and it's funny that <laughs> all the things. Tim Tebow played right here at Lake Shore. You know, Van Zance played right here at Lake Shore. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Been a few. Been a few at Lake Shore Athletic Association there. In downtown there. West Side, Jacksonville, Florida. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's downtown right there. Yeah, hey, yeah. uh Pops, I, I wasn't going to Baton Rouge, but the ticket, man, the tickets are so cheap down there tomorrow night. I think I'm taking your granddaughters down now. Pops. Really? Well, good yeah. for y'all. Yeah. That ought to be interesting. Are you going to drive yeah. over? Yeah, you know, it's four and a half, five. That's so it's a bad. seven o'clock game. You just get in the rig in the morning. Yeah. And you go down, you get into Baton Rouge, you go to Rafino's, have you a great meal. Yeah. In, in Baton Rouge, and you go to the ball you can't game. Beat pops. The, you can't beat the food down there. That's that's what's getting me as much as the ball game pops. <laughs> you know what I always get when I go there is the, uh, the um, crab cake. Oh, my goodness. We got to keep you out of New Orleans, though. You oh, like some of the uh, attractions that worry well, us about I, the I Orleans, enjoy you know? the attractions, especially when they swing yeah. out the window. You know? Yeah, they swing the out the window. Right yeah. There. yeah. <laughs> they attract pops. When I had to be told what they were. I said, God, look at these. Drop dead. Somebody thing. did you a big favor, pops, because you could have found out the hard way, if you know what I'm saying. Hey, pops. Oh, Lord, that was wild. We got to get you your picks here before we get out of here. Uh, you're right. on a hot streak, incredibly yeah. white hot with the picks. I'm telling you, I'm just red hot. All right, Auburn, Texas A&M. That game's on the plains tomorrow. Who you like? And I knew, I knew you were going to ask me that one. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Ag Cup game. And you know, I, I uh, A&M didn't impress me last week, but mm-hmm. I like Mon, their quarterback, and and I like Kill their team. On, yeah. I like their team, and but Auburn looked good last week. You know, last week, mm-hmm. and uh, Nick's had a, a good game, but 
And I hate to go against the home team, but uh, I think I'm going to go with A&M. Not because I, I know they're they're probably uh, they're favored, right? Yeah, A&M's a seven point favorite on the road. Let's see, uh, I wouldn't even give them seven points. I mean, that's no. Seven. I like the home dog there in Auburn. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Uh, but you're going to pick A&M, right? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. How about BYU in this late game that they put together with Coastal Carolina and South Carolina? I know BYU, that ought to Coastal be interesting. I'm, like... I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out when it's on too. Uh-huh. Coastal Carolina has been doing things. I I'm gonna go with uh, and they're playing at Coastal Carolina, right? Yes, sir. I'm gonna take the uh, the the visiting team there too. You're going to take BYU. BYU. Okay, and I, I know who you're going to take in this one, but I just love to give them to you whenever I can. <laughs> Oklahoma State, your boys at TCU. TCU? Oh, I'm going to yeah. take TCU. Yeah. I, I, I knew I, that I was kind of your, your affinity for Oklahoma State is well documented uh, no, here no, on the program. I don't care who they play. It, uh, Chicken salad for lunch today, Pops? Uh. Well, actually, Nana is, is, is made that bag of bum, uh, uh, cheese, you know, fermented cheese. Fermented cheese, okay. Yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can't get it or some of that. Speaking of that smell, I can smell that pimento cheese, Pops. <laughs> it's All good. right, well, have a good weekend, my man. We'll talk to you next week. All right. There he goes, Pops with his picks. He likes A&M on the road, he likes BYU on the road, and he likes TCU at home. That's going to do it for a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports, the lunch whistle on this Friday. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Great lunches, great dinners, great full bar service. Have an outstanding happy hour there during the week. From 3 to 6 p.m., Burgers and Brews on Tuesdays you're going to get. Live entertainment a lot of Thursdays on that outstanding patio you're going to get as well. For Jacob Harrison, Travis Ryer, until 11 a.m. on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody.